0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Alcohol plays a huge part in all of our lives. It's embedded in society, and it's something that we all have to deal with in our own ways and make our own choices about what relationship we want to have with it. I really enjoyed sitting down with my next guest to learn about her journey to sobriety and how she coaches others to change their relationship with alcohol. Sarah Rusbatch is a certified woman's health and well-being coach, an accredited grey area drinking coach and a keynote speaker who's sharing her journey to sobriety and the impact of alcohol on mental health to global audiences. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. And if you'd like to learn more, you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me, or you can purchase the Move Your Mind book by going to nickbrax.com slash book. Sarah, thank you so much for making the time, and I apologize, as I did offline, apologize for having to change this about five times. Um, I've just got back in Melbourne from New York, and I, I feel horrible, but it's, um, it's happened with so many, but I, it makes me more excited to actually finally have the conversation, and I've looked up a little bit on, you know, the work you do and it looks like you're doing amazing things and, you know, feel r- really fortunate to have you on the podcast and excited to, you know, learn about your story. Absolutely.
0: We made it happen. So thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: We got there. We got there. We did. So are you able to just give a bit of a, um, a background on, on yourself and the work you do and how you got to doing what you, what you do today?
0: Sure. So I'm a grey area drinking coach, which is probably a term that many of your listeners may not have heard before. Um, And maybe I'll start with explaining what grey area drinking is, because um, up until recently, the conversation around alcohol has been one of two things. You're an alcoholic or you're a social drinker. And for most of us, when we consider an alcoholic, the first thing that comes to mind is Someone who's homeless, who sleeps on a park bench, who drinks a bottle of whiskey a day out of a brown paper bag um, and wakes up every day needing to drink. But what if, you don't, I, if that, you don't tick any of those boxes, but you've still got a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol? Where do you sit? And that's hmm. where grey area drinking is. So I like to think of it as kind of this scale of one to ten. One being someone who rarely drinks, maybe has a glass of champagne at a wedding, um, and that's it kind of thing. And 10 being someone who has end-stage physical dependency on alcohol, so needs to have medical support to withdraw from alcohol. Because it's really important here that I clarify that alcohol is one of only three substances in the world that the human body can die from withdrawal from. The other two, one of them is illegal, and the other one you can only get on prescription in very limited amounts in any one go. Alcohol is listed as an essential service during COVID and is available for everybody. And so we've got a one and a 10 on that scale. Um, 10 being physically dependent, needs medical support to come off it. One being never drinks. Both Mm. of those are quite extreme. And when you think about it, the majority of the population probably sits somewhere in the middle. I consider gray area drinking as being about a four to an eight on that scale. So we've got past the point where we don't just have a drink when we're socializing and don't think about it any other time. But like that might be a two or a three. Maybe, you know, when we're out for dinner a couple of times a week, we have a glass of wine, we enjoy it, we don't need more, we don't feel like we we've, um, we've restricted ourselves by only stopping at one. It just doesn't even feature. We just want that one or two. The signs that we're going into that grey area can be things like we make rules around our drinking because people that don't have a problem with drinking don't make rules, mm. whereas I just constantly lived with rules. My rules were... You're not allowed to drink on a Monday and Tuesday. You're not allowed to drink before five o'clock. You're not allowed to drink on your own at home during the week. You're only allowed to drink at lunchtime if it's with other people. You can't drink white wine on an empty stomach. And (laughs) so it went on. And and I lived by these rules. Oh, I can drink on Thursday because I didn't drink on Wednesday, but I better not drink too much on Thursday because I know I'm going out on Friday and I don't want to be hungover on Friday. And there was constant chatter in my head around where alcohol was fitting in to my life that week. A couple of the other signs that we might be falling into that grey area drinking might be that we, um, we notice that we feel disappointed on nights we can't drink. Mm. So say, for example, you've got to be the driver for the night. Say, for example, you're on antibiotics and a big night that you've been planning, you can't drink. And your first thought might be, oh, well, there's no point in going. Um, yeah. Which I was there all the time. I was kind of like, what do you mean if I can't drink? There's no point in going out. Um, a couple of the other signs. Alcohol is starting to really take more than it's giving we're noticing Mm. that it's really impacting our sleep it's perhaps um causing anxiety we're noticing we're putting weight on we notice that we don't have the energy the motivation the mental clarity each day Mm -hmm. and yet we still do it so we know that it's taking from us we know that it's having negative impacts and negative consequences but we're still constantly um keeping on going so those are some of the signs that we're falling into that, um, that grey area drinking category. And for many people listening to this, they can pr- kind of probably be like, yeah, tick, tick, yeah. tick. Because, you know, alcohol is the only drug in the world we have to justify not taking. We live in an alcohol centric society where it's everywhere. You go down the pub and you say, I've stopped smoking. And the most common response will be, good on you. Well done, mate. You say, you've stopped drinking. And the most common response will be, don't be so boring. Just have one
1: yes you know
0: and so um it's hard to change your drinking if you are in an alcohol centric society surrounding yourself by other people that love a drink
1: it's so no i find this so fascinating and i mean we all like like you're saying we all can relate to this because it is so embedded in society um and this it's it's odd that you know it's something that is legal that's accepted that does so much damage yet we frown upon and shame people for for other things Um, and you know, I find it confusing because like, I I guess in the past I had a problem with binge drinking and that was escapism for me. And then my relationship with alcohol became, even when I got that under control, it was very easy for me because of having quite an addictive personality and wanting to take things to the extreme. If I brought it back into my life, how do I then avoid that happening? Um, but you know, what, what confuses me with, with alcohol is, and I've actually, um, on a three month break from drinking right now. And I found it, I'm feeling amazing from doing that. But the problem I was having is I don't have a problem with alcohol anymore per se, but then I was, I don't want to, I I don't, I don't feel like I need it. I I enjoy the occasional drink with dinner or, you know, whatever. But what started happening is, especially, I guess, in my life, a lot of people's lives, I would be, um, not wanting to drink. And then it's, so embedded that it's like okay um it's a monday night i've got a friend in new york who's visiting let's go for a drink okay you know i'll catch up with the friend have a drink that leads to a couple of drinks feel okay the next day whatever then wednesday night comes and there's an event on let's have a drink then you see family let's have a drink friday and you you're like hang on a week went past and i'm wanting to i'm i'm not really wanting to drink much maybe once a week twice a week at most somehow i drank five nights a week because it's so embedded in what we do. And then one of those might turn into a big night and you're like, hang on, why is this happening in my life when I don't want it? So it's so difficult to find a balance where you can have alcohol in your life, but then not let it, you know, become too often. And then on the other side, when I stopped exactly what you said, it's so crazy that, you know, I went out with friends and everyone are oh, you not drinking what's happened what's wrong are you okay yeah. um making this huge deal about it i had to pre-warn friends when i came back to australia i'm not drinking calling them up are you okay why oh no i wanted to have a big night They're, you know they're almost putting their saying they're like disappointed i'm so upset i was planning and having all this fun i'm like we can still hang out but anyway it's just such a crazy thing
0: and if you're a woman, then the first thing is you must be pregnant. Um, yes. I've been to a, I was at a dinner party, not that long ago, and there was a woman there. I'd never met her before. And she went to pour me a glass of wine at the dinner table, and I said, oh, no, thanks, I don't drink. And she looked at me and went, why? Are you an alcoholic? Yeah. I'm just like, you've never met me. And so what? Because I'm a middle-aged woman who doesn't drink, you therefore deduce that I must be an alcoholic. Um, I have a client who's a senior partner of a law firm and every week we meet, and we go through his social schedule for work, and we decide what he's going to say for every single thing as to why he's not drinking. Wow! Like this is the, how right. messed up our society is. But That's so
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: to be able to sit down, and he does have quite bad anxiety, and he yeah. hates the, the spotlight that is put on him when people go, "Oh, why are you not drinking? Why are you not drinking?" So we kind of have to, you know, we're, he's training for a triathlon, he's, you know, whatever the things are, but it's so we've got so far to go as a society to get it's, to the point where for someone to choose because let's remember what alcohol is it's a class one carcinogen that directly causes seven types of cancer mm. and yet we shame people for not wanting to do it like it's we so, shame someone for not snorting a line of coke or smoking or, or any of those things but with alcohol we have mm. such a different attitude to it
1: it's so tricky and you know and i found that even with family when they're having a drink i'll and not that they're even pressuring but if they're opening up a bottle of wine everyone's having a glass of wine oh you're not drinking um i'll feel guilt i'm like oh i'm maybe reducing this experience for everyone because i'm not participating um but and then when you really think about it what's happened to me when i stopped is oh you know i'd love a glass of whiskey and i'll think about oh god i'm you know something there. my dad's having a glass of whiskey i'd love to have one right now and then i try and think it through and i'm like hang on what will be the process i'll probably have one maybe a second feel a bit yuck the next day how is this actually going to enhance my life and if i do need this to enhance the experience then what is lacking inside of me that i can't enjoy this experience for what it actually is because that's and we're using it to avoid that the actual facing of reality um but it's a hard thing to really come to terms with but um that's Absolutely. what it's it made me really question. Well, do I actually want this in my life at all? Because I started once you, I think, once you stop having it, you start thinking, well, even if it's one day out of the year where I'm going to feel kind of crap the next day, wouldn't I rather just feel good?
0: Exactly. And that was where I got to because yeah. I stopped altogether in April 2019. Yeah. And I had just got to the point where. It was never one or two. It was always the bottle. Sometimes the second bottle was getting opened. Yeah. Um, I had strict rules. So I didn't drink on a Monday and Tuesday because that meant I wasn't an alcoholic because I could take two days off a week. I mean, in truth, I was just my body was detoxing from the five day (laughs) bender that i would just had. So I was just like, you know, lying in a pool of sweat and detoxing shakes. And then like Wednesday, right, let's get back on it. And what I realised and what I know to be true is that for so many people, when you've crossed that line of being a take-it-or-leave-it drinker, you've created a neural pathway that ain't ever going to be unchanged. Like, you can't undo addiction. So if you have created in any way an addiction to alcohol, that neural pathway is always going to be there. And that's why for so many people, it's easier to have none than it is to have one. Because I know for me, I never wanted one. I was just like who are these people that just want one glass? Like I was someone that as soon as I had a drink, it lit me up. It made me Mm. get more energy, energised, life and soul of the party. And I just wanted to keep going. The problem for me was that as a 40 year old mother, that started to become problematic in my behaviour and the things I was saying and doing. I had an accident, I fell over, I cut my face, like all of these Mm. things that were just like, I am not being the mum, the role model, the wife or the friend that I want to be and mm. alcohol is the thing that is standing in the way from me being that person. So I kept taking breaks. I kept going, right, I'll do a three month detox. Right.
1: Mm.
0: And I would do that and I would feel amazing. Mm. And I'd be like, Oh, this is what it's like to have great sleep. And, and, and my anxiety would disappear and I would lose weight and I would be really motivated and I'd be training really hard at the gym and all of these positives would be happening. But then I'd go back to drinking. And then everything would go to shit again. And then it was just kind of like, why do I keep going back to the thing that is causing all the problems when I don't do that thing, my life is really good. And yeah. when I sat there and looked at it like that, and I remember saying to a friend, well, next time I'm going to do six months because I've never done six months before. I've done three months quite a few times, but next time I'll do six months. And she was like, but why? Like, Why do you have to set a time limit of when you're going to go back to doing the thing that, as you say in your own words, is completely destructive in your life. And when I yeah. kind of sat back and looked at it like that, I was like, she's right. Yeah. So I set the date, April 2019, the 27th of April. It was a friend's 40th. I planned a huge night, huge, huge night. I was like, I'm going out with a bang, right? And um, I went to this 40th birthday party. And I left at 10 o'clock. and went home and went to bed. I had two drinks. I think I was just so done.
1: I you were just I'm over it. Done. Yeah. And I
0: knew that that was it. And I knew that this was the start of the rest of my life.
1: I love that. But it and it's so true and I love what you're saying there about I think if you've got that pathway with it if you've got that tendency to addiction and I know I'm like that as well where I just enjoy it so much. So then if you have a drink it's like well why not have a second and then you have a third and then you're starting to feel the effect of it and you're like I want more now and you know it's just it's I I couldn't stop that from happening. You know sometimes it might be just having one drink but the the reality is that will creep in and happen at times and it'll turn into a big night sometimes when you don't want to and then you wake up and you're dysfunctional for two days and you're feeling anxiety so it's like well why invite that in at all so it's such a it's such a difficult thing to do though because it is such an enjoyable thing and in the moment it is and in the moment, yeah. <laughs> when it's around so much yeah it's it's tricky yeah Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo- loading up other groups And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it. And we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me.
0: I think that there's a tipping point, right? So I think when we when we're in our, you know, how I mean, I started drinking when I was fourteen. That was kind of what mm. you did in the north of England. You kind of mm. just filled a, a soda stream bottle with whatever you could find in your parent's drinks cabinet, and you went down the local park or the local bus stop, and you got pissed. And that
1: was Make, kind of making rocket fuel out of the the cabinet. Yeah, Chintano,
0: Southern Comfort, a bit of Bacardi, a <laughs> bit of whiskey, you know, just mix it all together, add a bit of Coke on top. Um, <laughs> so that was like my initiation into drinking. But when you're young, for most of us, it starts off being like 90% fun, 10% crap, right? Okay, you might feel a little bit dusty the next day, but it's not like you're getting any of that because your body's learning how to metabolize alcohol. Mm. When you've been doing that consistently for a really long time, quite a few things start to happen physiologically in the body, so you build up tolerance. Um, When we actually drink alcohol...
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Alcohol causes a big surge in GABA. GABA is the neurotransmitter that makes us feel calm and relaxed. It's a depressant. And that's why you get that kind of ah, feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it also lights up the dopamine reward center in the brain, which makes us kind of ping on feeling good. But yes. because the human brain, it wants homeostasis, it wants balance of all your neurotransmitters. And because you get this big surge of GABA, which makes you feel calm and relaxed, the brain kind of goes, no, no, that was too much of that. I need to release cortisol to balance out the GABA. So in actual fact, most people drink because they're stressed and they think they're relieving their anxiety. Mm. But every time we drink, our brain releases a huge surge of cortisol, the stress hormone, to counter the impact that the alcohol has caused. What that means is the alcohol wears off after about 20 minutes, but we're left with this huge excess of cortisol firing around our body. So that's why quite often if we've had a big bender we'll pass out and fall asleep because of the surge in the GABA, but then the cortisol will wake us up a few hours later, you know, two, three in the morning, and then you wake up, you can't get back to sleep, and the next day you feel anxious, you feel a bit Mm. out of sorts, and that is because you've got all this excess cortisol that's racing around your body. And so many people, you know, I didn't know any of this, and I thought that I was just drinking, you know, to calm after a stressful day, I deserve it, it's just a glass of wine, but of course it was always the bottle, and all of that, but it's it's interesting for us to start to understand physiologically what is happening in the body. And that's why it's often so hard to just have one because one glass has a little 20 minute hit, but then because of the surge in cortisol, the cortisol then leaves you feeling a bit antsy, a bit out of sorts, um, a bit anxious, a bit restless, and then you're craving another drink just to get rid of the feeling that was created by having the first drink. And so then that's why it can be so hard to just stop at one or two, particularly for people like you and me that just love that feeling that you get from um, alcohol. There's a neuroscientist that did a study and he said you can tell in a room of like late teenagers, early 20s who are all out getting drunk You could look around the room and tell them who will be the ones that will develop alcohol use disorder in their later years Mm. by how they're reacting to the alcohol. You've usually got two groups. You've got the group that have two or three drinks and then they start to go a little bit tired and maybe go, oh, you know, I've had enough now. And, oh, that was enough for me. I'm just going to have a glass of water. I mean, I was never in that camp. Whereas you've got the other people that they get lit up by it. You see them, their voice gets louder, their energy gets higher, they're the ones that are going, Let's go to the club, let's go into the party, let's, and that was always me. And so yes. it was the writing was on the wall for me from such a young age that I was gonna be that person that would would develop the problems with alcohol that I did develop.
1: Yeah, and I totally relate. And um and I think another part of it, this, you know, mental health in general is where often doing it when we discover it i well i know for me and so many people um it's because we have that imbalance in ourselves if you've got some sort of mental health thing and i didn't know that you know i had adhd and i had different things that i didn't know how to deal with or regulate myself because i didn't even know i had them so then there was this angst and this you know inability to produce naturally enough dopamine and this just need to do addictive things, exercise, drinking, whatever can give me that hit and regulate me. And I remember that feeling you're talking about where, you know, after a certain sweet spot where you drink enough that you're not completely drunk, but you're so relaxed. You're like, oh, I can actually, it's like almost you put glasses on, I can see. And then very quickly that turns into excessive drinking and being so drunk that you don't remember anything. And then it's, you know, all a disaster. And it's such a small window, like you said, Um, and the thing I look, I thought as well was I looked back on when I used to binge drink and every, every negative thing, most of the negative things that have happened in my life in the past were from alcohol. Yeah. And I thought, okay, all these bad decisions directly linked to alcohol, shocking things that happened 99% from alcohol. And then I started thinking, okay, you know, it's dramatically negative, like just so bad. I, I, I wouldn't make these decisions ever when I'm sober. Yeah. And then, okay, what positives came out of it? And I couldn't really think of anything other yeah. than, okay, it was a bit of fun. So I was like, well, it's great. When you think about it, like, that, it's like they're just drastic negatives. And that's not even going into, you know, like what you were talking about, the health, um, the, the effects on health, long-term, what it's going to do to you, yeah, exactly. et, cetera, et cetera, It's like, bloody, let's just, like, it's, cra- it's crazy what we're doing. I know. Um,
0: So what happens when we drink alcohol? Because I was curious as to why I said and said and did things I would never normally do. The prefrontal cortex, which is the rational part of your brain, it pretty much switches off as soon as we start drinking. Yeah. That's why for young men, particularly, it can be really detrimental because a young man's prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until the age of 25. Mm. you take an 18 19 year old male who doesn't even have a fully developed prefrontal cortex and you throw in alcohol which shuts down what is there and that's when you do have young men like and for me it's not about saying you must not drink but it's about yeah. i look at some of the accidents that happen the danger the risk that that of things that we do. I remember being at school when I was 16 or 17 and there was a group of boys and they'd got really drunk and they'd gone driving and all of them, yeah. you know, they, they died in a car crash and, and doing things that you would never do when no. like you were sober. It's about understanding, like I'm not here to say you must never drink, but I yeah. am really passionate about helping people to understand A, that you don't have to be an alcoholic to decide to stop drinking and B, let's start talking about some of the impact that alcohol has because I interviewed someone the other day who stopped drinking five years ago, and she said to me, I feel like we are guinea pigs in the biggest joke that's ever been played on society when it comes to the marketing of alcohol. Yeah. And, and it's, you, you, I mean, you start looking at some of the stats around the big alcohol and the marketing. The, I read somewhere that in the UK, if everyone drank the, the recommended amount, which I think is 12 units a week, the alcohol industry would lose 13 billion pounds a year. Yeah. They don't want anyone to drink at the recommended amount. They they of make course. their money from binge drinkers, from people like you and me, because alcohol is highly addictive. It's up there in the top five most addictive substances in the world. And yet shame on you if you become addicted to it. Like the whole messaging and everything around but, it is, I mean, I could talk for hours about it, but I won't, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's so, yeah. so messed up.
1: It's, it's really messed up and it's, and, and, and it's like you said I think you know if you I don't see any other way around it if you want to have a healthy life if you do have that addictive personality I don't think it is like you said I thought it maybe was but I don't know if it is possible to have it in your life because it will at some point become a problem if you've got that kind of personality but and people would totally get that if you know someone was addicted to cocaine or not even addicted but they had a problem they were taking too much cocaine and say like, well I'm stopping cocaine you know you you'd be like okay great you know good on you for stopping because that's not going to be a positive thing in your life and they wouldn't be saying okay why don't you just casually have a little bump of cocaine um here and there it's like no that's inviting it back in if this person has a problem with it they're going to re-spark that problem this person cannot touch cocaine if they've had an issue with it otherwise and it's the exact same with alcohol yet like you're saying we get shamed and um questioned if we don't drink and i I, like i was saying before i just couldn't believe it like the shock and the amount of questions and i had to then just pretend i was drinking and just start ordering you know a a soda water or whatever and pretend it's got alcohol in it just so people don't question me (laughs) it's
0: It's insane and the thing is like all of the work that i do with my clients it's the first part is removing alcohol let's just take a break Mm. but the second part is Well, let's look at your life and look at Mm. what's going on in your life and why do you need it and what can we add in? Because it's it's not a case of just removing alcohol and then doing nothing else. If you remove alcohol, you've got to add stuff in to create a life that has meaning, purpose, fulfillment, satisfaction. And if you get all of that in your life, you don't even need to drink. No. The, The thing about alcohol is it makes us really lazy because we get a dopamine hit sitting on the sofa watching Netflix. We don't even have to move our buns, you know, whereas the stuff that I get people to do, it's effort-based dopamine. So you've got to go out there, you've got to exercise, you've got to go yeah. and join clubs and meet people and make friends and, and do lots of those things, which and we've just become so lazy as a society. And, and for lots of my mum clients as well, the thing about alcohol is you can drink your wine whilst you're unloading the dishwasher, making the sandwiches, helping with homework, running the bath, doing the ironing. And so you're getting a little dopamine hit whilst you're in the drudgery and the, and the basics of mm. life. And so it comes down to us having to kind of step back from our life and look at how it's set up and go, right, what do I need to change in order to create a life that I don't need to drink a bottle of wine every night?
1: It's a 10-year anniversary of Underbrack and we've relaunched with the classic white pear We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health currently to one in five. You can find all of this at com. Yeah. Yeah. And it, exactly. And it's just having those healthier habits and having this understanding, this is the crazy, and this is why I, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I fell into mental health awareness and it's become such a big part of my life just because of my own, trying to understand myself and then seeing once I started looking into it and talking about it, probably similar to what you're doing, just being like, what, this can't be right, that these things are one of the biggest issues in society and they're going to affect everything. Why on earth are we not educated about mental health, about how to do this stuff? Because all these things are as a substitute and, you know, it it might not even be alcohol. It might be, well, I'm not comfortable with myself and I can't be still. I'm going to, you know form an addiction to work I'm going to form an addictive pattern in relationships I'm going to do this that and the other because I just don't want to sit still and have to actually deal with what is going on underneath or don't want to do things that are healthier for me and exercise or whatever it is that's going to naturally you know give me what I need Uh, we're just it's just madness that this is not something that we get it should be more important than learning math and English say that all the
0: time my son's 12 and he comes home with his algebraic equations and i'm like put that away and let's go and sit down how do you feel today yeah what's gone well today is there anything that you've struggled with today like let's talk about these emotions because no one ever taught me how to sit with emotions
1: no one ever
0: taught me how to label oh you're feeling disappointed that's really normal right now this is what i do when i feel disappointed like no one modeled Mm. any of that to me i just watched my dad go to the drinks cabinet every night so monkey see monkey do right
1: exactly exactly no well look we've got about five minutes left and we finish each episode with five closing questions so i guess normally the quick answers even quicker answers in this instance just because i want to make sure we can still do them um but i think i'd love to do a a follow-up interview with you because i just think this is we there's so many many things to go into
0: yeah on this
1: topic it's just it's so fascinating so i really appreciate what you're doing and you coming and sharing all of this and um, wish we could talk longer. But anyway, um, these questions, yeah, like I said, just quick answers that come to mind. The first one is, what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind?
0: Oh, my best childhood memory. It would be <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is being in Mallorca in Spain on a holiday with my family with my brother and my dad catching frogs um, in, a, in a little pond, um, putting them in a, a jar and going and taking them and putting them on my mum's bed. Like, where did that come from? There you go.
1: That's great. See, I, I love that question because it's just so funny what, what comes up. <laughs> yeah, I love I that. To, I'll
0: have to go remind my mum of that now. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society at the moment?
0: I'd probably say social media. and the comparison that goes on and the fakeness of what people think other people's lives are like and that the 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 guilt and pressure that that then puts on us as individuals
1: it's so interesting because i'd say 95 percent of the guests that come on here say social media so it's like it's a big one what is your personal definition of happiness
0: needing and wanting nothing more than what I have in that moment
1: yeah that's 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 really well put I love that I'm gonna I might steal that it's a nice succinct way to to say it Uh, what are you most afraid of
0: I was gonna say not having the impact that I want to have not leaving a legacy behind when it comes to having found the passion that I found in the work that I do now um but in actual fact I I don't think I am afraid of that because I, I've got the evidence that it's that it's working. And so I think that, um, I think for me, it would be that the world we live in doesn't change the conversation around alcohol.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is a beautiful thing and a beautiful feeling when you do find that thing, you know, like what you're doing, talking, being able to think, okay, hand on my heart, I'm, this is so meaningful to me. This is like I'm going to look back and this, is the most meaningful thing I could have dedicated my life to. It's an amazing feeling
0: yeah. and help people,
1: you know, and I know this conversation will help a lot of people. And my goal for next
0: year, Nick, is to start um, talking in schools. Um yeah. Not again not to go in and say to all the year 12s you must never drink alcohol but to tell them this is what happens to your prefrontal cortex this is what happens when we drink this is why it's so important to keep safe this is why alcohol causes anxiety this is why you're going to feel really low and sad Mm. the next day Mm. after a big night because no one explained any of that to me and and to just be able to give teenagers the education and the information is so important
1: yeah no it's critical it's critical um final one what are you most proud of
0: That I'm changing the legacy of my family, that I have come from a long line of alcoholics and yeah. that my son on Mother's Day um, wrote me a letter telling me how proud he was of the work that I do and that nobody else's mum helps all the ladies to stop drinking, <laughs> was what he said. Um, but just knowing that I have broken that 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 generational pathway of how things are done in the family and that I can now model to my kids that you can look after yourself and self-care is not a bottle of wine and self-care is starting to be able to sit with emotions, understand your emotions and sit with yourself.
1: That's really beautiful. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that and coming on here and making the time and just finally where we'll put this in the show notes, but where can we send our listeners if they want to learn more about you?
0: Yeah, so head to my website, Um, I run alcohol-free challenges four times a year, um, just as a starting point for people to, to do the first part of the journey of life. And the first part is take a break from alcohol. See the benefits that you get from it. So I've got a challenge, I don't know when this will go live, that will start um, mid-Jan. Um, so you can head over to my website, have a look at that. And on Instagram, at sarahrusbatch, I share lots and lots of information about how to create a life that you no longer want or need to numb from.
1: Love it. Well, yeah, thank you again for making the time. So nice to finally meet you, and hopefully we can do it again soon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Reach out. Let's do this again next year, and um, I will look forward to speaking to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks to Sarah Rosbatch for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And if you'd like to learn more, you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me, or you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com/book Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra